0: Bye. <laughs> And welcome to episode 322 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week on my own once again, because it was MCM Comic Con in Birmingham over the weekend. So uh, haven't had a chance to put together a full show. Uh, so we've got some interviews and stuff coming up. I'm going to do some renewals and cancellations, and I'll do some air dates at the end of the show again for you. But this is going to be more of an interview show with some of the stuff that I collected from MCM Birmingham, which was uh, wonderful to get back. Back out there and uh, see people. Lots of great cosplay photos which have gone up on our Instagram, which is at GeekTown UK. And Instagram, if you go and look up that. And you can also find a whole bunch of videos which have gone up on youtube.com forward slash GeekTown. You can go and find those up on there. Uh, some of them are video versions of the interviews which are in here. There is one, it's 40 minutes long. It's an interview with the wonderful, lovely. John rhys davis who you will probably best know as Gimli from Lord of the Rings he was also in the TV show Sliders as well and uh We got told that we had 15 minutes with him and John had rather other ideas (laughs) and uh, it ended up being like this long 40 minute interview. It went off on some wild tangents from the questions he was answered. He was glorious. He was wonderful. I'm not going to put the whole thing out on here but it is up on YouTube. If you go to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash geek town for that. I'm going to jump straight in with renewals and cancellations. No cancellations this week as far as I I can see a couple of renewals. Channel 4 have renewed the Great British Bake Off for three more years. That includes all the surrounding ancillary shows as well. So lots and lots more Bake Off going to be around for at least three more years on Channel 4. So you'll be able to find all that. La Brea has been renewed for a second season at NBC in the US, which hasn't landed over here yet, although it is an NBC show. So you'd expect it to turn up and sky at some point. This is the wonderfully bonkers series where a big sinkhole opens up in the middle of LA and a bunch of people fall into it and fall into some sort of primeval world it sounds wonderfully weird and strange in the sort of vein of things like Zoo but I am very much looking forward to that turning up at some point over here but uh, we haven't got an air date for it yet but that's La Brea and that's been renewed for a second season at NBC we have got a bunch of uh, new air dates for shows as well Uh, there's a bunch of things dropped literally today because Peacock is now been integrated onto Sky. So if you go on to the on-demand section on Sky Q, if you go on to the catch-up section on Sky Go, I'm not sure where it is on some of the other things. It's also on now as well. You can find a Peacock section which has got a whole bunch of TV shows on there. Some older, some newer, some that haven't aired here before. So there's things like Quantum Leap is up on there. If you want to go back and watch through the old episodes of things like quantum leap grim is up on there so you can go and watch all those there's a whole bunch of really awesome old content warehouse 13 i think he's there as well in terms of the newer stuff, the Safe by the Bell remake is up there, so you can go and watch the first season of that. There is a comedy called Rutherford Falls, which is about two lifelong best friends who find themselves at a crossroads, quite literally, when their sleepy tan gets an unexpected wake-up call. That's from Mike Saw, who's the guy that did The Good Place and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I think that will probably be worth a watch. It stars at Ed Helms that comedy as well. So that's Rutherford Fools. I would go and check that out. There's a couple of older shows which have actually been cancelled in the US, as tends to happen with this, but they are there filling out content. There's Council of Dads, which was uh, cancelled after one season, but uh, that show is up on Peacock. There is a show called The Village as well, which is a drama about residents in an apartment building in Brooklyn. That's also up on there. So there's a whole bunch of different things. There's lots and lots of content being added now to Sky under Peacock. So you can go and find that. It's up there right now. It's on SkyQ. It's on now, Uh, I think it's on Sky Plus as well and you can find it on Sky Go so uh, go and check all that out over there that's all the new stuff around at the moment and all the news and bits and pieces, now we're going to move on to some interviews It's
2: that time of the year, your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel
0: the warm breeze relax So this weekend was MCM Comic Con in Birmingham. Second MCM Comic Con this year, first one being in London, which was a few weeks ago. And we've got Wales Comic Con as well, which is randomly in Telford, but uh, (laughs) we're not getting into that. Wales Comic Con coming next weekend as well. So there may be some more interview stuff next week as well. But this week at Birmingham, I got to sit down with the cast of the brilliant video game, Red Dead Redemption 2. We got three of the main cast members from that. So uh, Roger Clark, who plays Arthur Morgan, Rob Wynoff, who plays John Marsden and Peter Blomquist, who plays Mika Bell. We'll start off with the interview with Roger Clark, who plays Arthur, who is the sort of main character in Red Dead Redemption 2. These were roundtable interviews. So it's not just me asking questions. You will hear other people as well. Here's the interview with Roger Clark. <laughs> Was with Red Dead Redemption 2, was that your first experience using mocap?
3: No, no, I, I did it before, here actually, uh, somewhere near Oxford I believe, it was for first studio, it was a joint production by Rebellion Games and ADOS, and that was about 16 years ago. And we wow. did a game called Shell Shock 2, which was a lot of zombies and Vietnamese and Vietnam War, and it was a lot of fun, and I was fascinated from then about that medium, it's fascinating to me and to see the way the technology has progressed since has been a real privilege it's mm-hmm. blessed, it's it's i love it i love performance capture i love it a lot as and as it gets better and better it just affords more and more freedom to the performers it's really cool it takes a lot of imagination but it's uh i love it yeah so russell from red cap news is it uh, yeah hi
4: um It's amazing to have you with us. Uh, Obviously, during the panel, you know, it was very clear from the audience how much of a phenomenon this franchise is. And I think fans have been especially excited that we've had some tacit confirmation that the franchise is definitely continuing uh, from Take-Two. The CEO, I think, sort of announced that's the plan. Oh, yeah. Uh, So that is is now officially the position. Um, Given that, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about why you think the series is already such a big phenomenon and where you're hoping... The future of the, the games takes
3: us. Yeah, well, westerns is, is, is always is the first film genre, I know, and uh, I think there's something about it that uh, that has a universal appeal, like the expanding into the unknown, you know, and, and uh, living in a lawless world where it's you against nature and what have you. And I think those themes were carried on, and Rockstar translated them beautifully into gaming, you know, and. So much so that there hasn't really been many other games approaching the Western genre the same way that Red Dead did. Uh, So to be a part of it has been a real, real massive privilege. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where the... I think Arthur's story has definitely been told, you know, but what I... I I, I, I'm Strauss Schnelke. He did confirm it, and I would be very surprised if we've seen the last of that of this franchise, because you know their fans just have responded so well to it. And I remember when we were working on Red Dead Two, and I how much I was a big fan of the first Red Dead, and I was all I was going for was that it would be as liked as the first one. And I think we achieved that, so I'm very very grateful. But where it would go from now, I have no idea. But I have all confidence in Rockstar Games and. One of the things they never fail to do is to surprise, you know, and uh, they're they're expert storytellers and it was a joy working with them and whether or not I'd be a part of it in the future, I, I have no idea, but I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Okay, so the next one is Ryan from
4: Geeky Hi Ryan. Hello. Um, so video game technologies have evolved rapidly over the last uh, two decades and
3: VAs are more important than ever, especially with performance capture now. Um, where do you think it's going to evolve next? Would you... Well, I think voice acting is still a significant part of it, but performance capture is becoming a bigger and bigger and ever-increasing section of it. You know, like 20 years ago, it was all exclusively voice acting. Maybe not exclusively, but performance capture is definitely here to stay. And, and like I was saying earlier, seeing that technology unfold in front of your very eyes... It's been a, a massive privilege, you know, and I'm just fascinated by the whole concept of it because you have a mocap studio and you're in Antarctica in the morning and you're in medieval England in the afternoon and all it changes really is the the animators and the developers' imagination. So it's a fantastic medium. And even with COVID too, it's been, you know, it's a lot safer to work in a mocap environment than would you like a typical film set, you know, because you could cheat, People don't need to be standing right next to each other. You know, the animators can do that in post. You can even change the camera angle in post if you want. You know, what you think could be a wide shot could actually turn into a close-up in the end. Um, so bearing that in mind, as, a, as an actor, you start to think, well, they, I know what they think this shot might be now, but that could change in the future. So you tend to lean a bit more towards the theatrical than as the little subtle little nuances of film, of film performance, you know? It's really only in cutscenes where you get close ups, you know, and most of the time they're going for as wide a shot as possible so that the, the gamer can see as much of their environment as possible. So it does add for a bit more physicality, I think. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to do it, and no studio does it, no two studios do it the same way, and it's really fascinating to see the way different people work and whatnot. I, I, I just see it becoming a bigger, bigger part. Of the of the video game industry, and they, we're starting to see that happen with the film industry now too. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing mocap suits filmed in tandem with on set. You know, we're we're kind of seeing that already with Mark Ruffalo and the yeah. as the Hulk, and and uh, I think Disney and Marvel have done yeah, some really fascinating stuff. Yeah. And they, i can like, wait. Obi Wan Kenobi, I can't wait. That technology that they did for the Mandalorian that is amazing. So. Yeah, on set location filming, I think, is becoming less and less necessary. Uh, but when that happens, the performer needs to be more imaginative. If you're cold, if you're in a cold environment, you got to remember to be cold. If it's a hot, sweaty environment, you got to be swatting flies every once in a while. So, um, I think motion capture, when you get experienced at it and you start to remember those little details, and that brings the realism to the audience that that uh, I think we're still going to need. As far as the technology is going, I have no idea where they're going with it, but I'm sure it's going to keep keep going. Yeah.
4: Okay, so we will move on for Daniel from Geek Hi, <laughs> hello. i uh, really sorry, i out a bit late. Um, obviously, you've just talked about motion capture and the possible end possibilities. Do you feel that this has helped you uh, adapt in such a way that you can improvise a bit more and?
3: Uh, Bring sort of a little more, a bit more element of yourself into the character. Absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, some some like I said, some studios do it differently, um, but uh, yeah, the performer can really bring in a lot, a lot more nuances of their own personal personality, if you will. But again, it depends on the script. You know, you work with the script you're given. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can complain and argue with it, but, you know, it usually doesn't bode well, you know. <laughs> we've all got jobs to do, so it's, it's our job to do them. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's a lot of freedom. Performance capture lends a lot of freedom to uh, to all aspects of the performance, absolutely. So thanks very much,
4: guys. That was the last question for Roger.
3: Thank so, you, guys. Thank for
4: so, your time. You just are supposed to lose your favorite
0: lines, maybe a couple of them, if possible, if possible? I remember
3: one line I really liked was, uh, you know, uh, we're, uh, oh gosh, how did it go again? It's, it's Arthur talking to John. He's saying, I, you know, I was the prize pony once, but this life, this way, well, we're the last, I reckon, and we ain't long for it. Because Arthur knew that the, the Wild West was coming to an end, and I, that's a big source of conflict in Red Dead 2. Uh, because some people acknowledge that that this way of life is coming to an end, and other people can't can't acknowledge that, and that causes a lot of strife. Uh, but Arthur saw the writing on the wall, and uh, yeah, that's one of my that's my favorite line. Yeah,
0: <laughs> thank you. So that was the interview with Roger Clark. Next up, we have Rob Whitehoff, who plays John Marston, who, of course, was the main character in the first one and was a secondary character in the second game. Talk to him about sort of coming back and how it felt to be back in the franchise. Again, a roundtable interview, so there's various people asking questions here. Here's the interview with Rob. How did it feel um, returning to the character of John Marston?
2: Oh, wow. Um... Really, really great to be back with so many familiar faces, people that I enjoyed working with so much the first time around, and uh, of course, Undead Nightmare too. Yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. Um, but I was going back to to work with and hang out with friends, and and I really enjoyed that. My character was very different. It was, um, you know, young John, obviously was very different than what you see at the end of Red Dead Redemption. And, and that was fun. It was a bit of a challenge uh, in a way because I was I was always told John is never, he's never going to back down from anyone ever. He's not afraid of anyone at all. And I thought, yeah, that's great. I love that. That's so cool. And so, you know, empowering as an actor to know that that's, that's the personality of the person you're playing. Uh, but then, you know, Arthur Morgan, and, and so many other people, too, just didn't give John a whole lot of respect. And John just kind of had to take it. And I thought, this is very different, you know, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was a challenge. Um, but I can say that when I was younger, when I was a freshman at high school, my sister was a senior in high school. And I always looked up, of course, to the older older people, as we do, you know, and I would always try to crack jokes and try to fit in with them. And they always kind of look at me like, no, man. And I thought, oh, I'm so frustrated because I want to be cool like you. I want the respect you all get. And so I related to that. And so that helped a lot. But, of course, it was great to be back with Rockstar. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. Obviously talented, inspiring people. So enjoyed it a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
4: Okay, next is Russell from Red Carpet News. That would be me. Um, It's amazing to have you with us. Um, I think, obviously, Red Dead is a phenomenon. It would be interesting to hear um, why you think that is, and given that we've had very exciting news in the last day or so that the franchise is officially continuing, that's now been confirmed by the CEO of Take Two, uh, where are you hoping that phenomenon goes to next? What are you hoping for
2: from the future titles? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Of course, I'm, I'm enjoying every second of it. It's been great here. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and, you know, it is it is kind of wild, I, I guess, because of the history of Rockstar and their success. Uh, probably people just assumed, I'll buy this game if it's made by Rockstar. It's probably good. I don't know that anybody assumed that it would be loved as much as it is but I think you know it's because of the writers because of the everyone involved I promise you when you're on the set and you're around these people they're all not only very talented but they're very um, encouraging not only to the actors but to each other and it's a really cool environment where they all feed off of each other and it's a very inspiring place to be so One of the things that the director would say to me, you know, when I would talk to him about, you know, what, how does that look when you guys have meetings and you talk about what you're going to shoot the next time we get together and you scheduling everything out, whatever. He said that Rockstar, every time they make a game, they try to make not only the best video game that they can based off of previous games that they've ever made or whatever, but they want to make the very best video game that has ever existed every time they make a game. So when you have people with that and that intention and people with that kind of teamwork and, uh, capability, I think it's, it's possible to do what it did. And I think that's really why. So, um, as far as, as the franchise goes, I would love more than anything to be able to play John Morrison for as long as they want me to be. I, I promise you, I enjoy every second of it. Um, Having said that, I don't know um, which what time frame it would be. I don't know. I don't have any information that you don't have, by the way. So um, however they do it, though, we know that people love the franchise and whether John's part of it or not, I'll still be excited about it. Um, of course, I want to be part of it, you know, but um, we'll just see and, and be excited because I'm sure it's going to blow us all the way again. Great. Great,
4: and next is Ryan Parrish from Geeky Bromay. Hi. Um, so there's been a quite a lot of uh, video game adaptation movies recently
0: and some questionable cash decisions on some of them, if you say that. If there was a
4: Red
2: Dead Redemption, movie, would you hope that you'd be in the role? <laughs> of course I would. Yes, of course I would hope that. And I think, you know... It's uh, the thing about video games that a lot of people don't understand is that especially recently, a lot of the the performance is actually performance capture. So uh, some people just assume that we're all in a, a sound booth and we're doing the voices of these characters that are animated or what we actually walk around and perform the scene. So um, I don't look like John Marston, but every movement you saw him do every same with Arthur Morgan, Michael Bell, any of them. Those were actual people on a stage doing that act. So if, uh, you know, unless you want to say that one of us doesn't look tough enough or whatever, I think people appreciate the performance that they received through Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, when people say, who would you like for, to be cast as your character? I think I'd like a shot at it. <laughs> Um, otherwise, I don't know, anybody, anybody, whatever, do it, do your thing and, and enjoy it. It's it's a really cool role and, uh, my goodness, who would be the best at it? I don't know. Hopefully me, if they ever do it. Thank you.
4: Thank you. And next is Daniel Delagi from Greek Pride, Geek Pride. Uh, going all
2: over the
0: place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so talked a lot about... Uh, Adaptations and
4: uh, the brand or franchise. Um,
0: did you uh, did you expect to come back? Did you expect to come back after the first game?
2: No, I didn't. <laughs> well, and I don't know. I'm sorry. Is that your full question? Do you have more? Um, well, no. Okay, well, so um, I guess I guess I don't. I think the game's been out for almost 15 years now. Maybe it has. But Red Dead Redemption has an ending, which was pretty final for, for the character that I played. And so I thought, you know, it would be really cool. Then it wasn't long after we finished Red Dead Redemption that we started working on Undead Nightmare, which is a DLC, and much smaller. But, um, you know, when that was done, I thought... That's really probably the end of it. Like the DLC was kind of a surprise to me and there's no guarantee. And I, I, like I said before, I don't get any more information than anybody else does until it's the time to get it started. And then I know, but um, for me, it's speculation just like anyone else, but I really thought, you know, that was the end of it for me. And I enjoyed the opportunity that I had up until that point and was very appreciative of Appreciative of it, but I got a call out of the blue from the director and he asked me if I was interested in doing more work. So when we did Undead Nightmare, there was a guy, and I can't remember what his name was or which GTA he was even from, but one of the playable characters to a previous GTA game came and did a role that was very unlike what he did in GTA, but it was kind of like a hey, Come back and just work for three or four days with us. Just do it one more time. It'll be fun. Almost like a weird cameo kind of thing, but not whatever it was. It was just like, come back, work on this, be a crazy character-y character, and enjoy it and have fun. And so when they called me, I thought, that's for sure what's going on. They're going to have me come in and play some role that's got nothing to do with John or Red Dead Redemption. Anyway, found out it was a prequel and ended up working for way longer on Red Dead Redemption 2 than I ever did on Red Dead Redemption and Undead Nightmare combined. So uh, I guess never say never, um, but who knows? And and again, whatever they come up with for to continue this franchise, I'm sure will be great whether I'm part of it or not. But uh, I'm back in that same boat now where, I, yeah, I don't think that I'll probably be there. I don't know how I would, but we'll see that's all we
4: have time for so well thank you so much for
2: you. your time today I yes. um, really appreciate yeah. it is it possible to do one or two a couple of your lines yeah like your favourite just yes. uh, yes. very short one. Uh, yeah. yeah that's okay with you guys i short we've got one minute one okay. yes. minute <laughs> so I'm looking at you then yeah. Yeah. um people don't forget nothing gets forgiven um I just wrote a bunch down, actually, in my <laughs> Something like this is going to happen. I tried to do one the other day, and I completely flubbed it. I'm going to try it again right now. Let's see if I do it any better now. Uh, some trees flourish. Others die. Some cows grow old. Others get taken by the wolves. Some men are born rich enough and dumb enough to enjoy their lives, Abigail. Ain't nothing fair. I got it. I actually got it. <laughs>
0: Thank you. That's
4: the Red uh, Three audition tape. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. We'll be in touch if you get the part. <laughs>
0: That was the interview with Rob Whitehoff. Next up, we have Peter Bloomquist, who played the main antagonist in Red Dead Redemption 2, Mika Bell. He's a lovely, wonderful guy and really couldn't be more opposite from uh, the character he plays in the game at all. He was great to sit down and chat with. Uh, so here's the interview with Peter, who played Mika Bell in Red Dead Redemption 2. Lovely to have you here. Uh, where was, who was your inspiration for Mika? when you sort of find that character?
5: It's uh, a good question. I've been asked that a couple of times and I do not have a very clear answer. Meaning uh, I don't, um, I didn't draw specifically from, uh, from any particular source. Um, so when I came into, uh to do the character, Uh, I didn't know how far Micah was going to go, if that he was going to end up doing what he eventually does. Uh, so I was given a little bit of information at a time. So I just, um, let my brain go like that and, uh, just made some choices. And the director was like, yeah, those seem to be working. Uh, so (laughs) <laughs> Just the twisted parts of my brain is where I went into <laughs> to uh, come up with uh,
3: the character. Good. Thank you. Brilliant. And next up, we've got Lewis Paylon from Rockstar Games. This it is it's me. How's it going? Um, great to be here.
0: To
4: be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, one question I've got for you is, working on Red Dead Redemption 2, um, what were your expectations of playing Michael like Bell? And how well do you think his character fit in the Red Dead series?
5: Hmm. Um, well, my expectations going in, uh, I had, um, very little, very few expectations, uh, because at first, uh, with the beginning of the job, I ha- had no idea the extent, uh, of the game, the scope of the game. Um, and it was only after, you know, as the weeks went on and then the months went on, went on working on it and we realized, oh my God, this is like a big thing, uh, that's happening here, much bigger than we thought. and uh, and of course m- I knew right off the bat that Micah was not all okay up in his head uh, and that uh, as the months and then years went on it became clear that he, what his role was eventually going to be. Uh, but that kind of unfolded as we went as we went along. Uh, so in a way it was a, a bit of an organic process. Um, so yeah. Does
4: that answer the question? Yeah. Did I answer it? Okay. <laughs> Next up, Russell from Red Carpet News. That would be me, Russell. Uh, again, brilliant to have you with us. Um, Thank you. I guess two questions. The first one is the big one, which is why do you think that Red Dead is both the gaming and the pop culture phenomenon that it so clearly is? Mm. And the second part of that, obviously, we've recently had the exciting confirmation that uh, the franchise is going to continue. Uh, CEO of Take-Two has confirmed we're definitely getting more in that world. Uh, do you have particular excitement, particular uh, hopes for where the rest of the series may take us?
5: Well, to answer the first part uh, regarding why why I think um, Red Dead became as popular as it is in today's culture, and you know uh, why people latched onto it it's a good question. Um, Obviously, uh, Rockstar puts a lot of time uh, and effort and detail into the stuff that they come out with. And so uh, a lot of it is because uh, this, was, this is a game unlike, as far as I'm concerned, any other game in that, in that realm. Uh, the vastness of it, the open world, the fact that uh, the actions that you may take may have consequences down the line uh, that you don't even realize until, until later. Um, And I think, and especially during lockdown time, I would hear this from, uh, from fans, um, that it became a a genuine uh, way of escaping, of basically getting out of the house when, you know, you, you couldn't otherwise. Uh, and uh, you could feel like you have this other life, and it wasn't just about, you know, killing people. You could just ride your horse around the mountains and go peacefully fishing and hunting, and and people would do that for hours and hours and, and, and get enjoyment out of that. Um, regarding the second part, I, I have no idea. Um, I, I haven't heard anything, um, so... Yeah, I, I wish I could answer more of that question or answer it at all, but I don't know. I don't know.
4: I guess you don't know what's going to happen, but is, is there things that you'd like to see? Are there things that having been part of that world, is there, are there parts of it you think could be explored more in terms of the characters or just the general setting? I
5: think that there could always be uh, more to explore in that world because it's so vast and it's, 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 uh, you know, such a great environment and they, they created such a, Uh, you know phenomenal setting and spend so much time on it uh, it it would be great to be able to spend more time uh, in that world or even an expanded version of it so I'd play it (laughs) 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 that's the best I could give you I think yeah
0: okay really nice I think we do have a couple more minutes we've got an F time here that's a lot of a second question um you mentioned on stage yesterday, and just now, that, that you have, uh, you don't get, like, all the script, you don't even necessarily know where the story is going either. How, how difficult is that as an actor to approach where you've kind of been given this sort of character but you've got no idea where any of it's going?
5: Right. Um,
0: well, <clears throat> we
5: would get enough, just enough, to certainly work on to be able to understand the scene we're doing as far as the far reaching effects of, of, that or way, where it may lead, uh, way further down, uh, in the game, you know, we might not know that, but, um, I, I feel like we were also given, um, maybe some information about where something may lead to down the line, although we may not have seen, seen the script directly. Uh, but, they would give us enough to, to, to give us uh, a path. And then you know, what 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 was required of us often was to basically roll with it, make choices as, as actors, come up with our justifications and reasons for doing what we're doing, and then counting on uh, Rockstar and the director to say, hmm, maybe you feel this way about something maybe you want to move in this direction we go okay and do that that's what that's good that's that's gonna work yeah and then then we would do that until it it made sense so there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good
3: yeah good. yeah good. great
5: great yeah. we have a good question from
4: Quickly, that's all right. Yeah, Just quick, okay. yeah. But yeah. From Dave 137, who asks, "It says, we know about Roger and Rob's emotional experiences on set with acting with their relevant characters, but did you also find it emotional playing Micah Bell with him being a storyline's antagonist? <laughs>
5: um, uh, probably very different than their answers. Um, you know, for me, <clears throat> Micah was, I had a lot of fun playing Micah because it's fun to be Um, you know, an asshole and and not really get any consequences. It's not going to be an asshole in real life. But to do a a pretend one, um, it it was great fun. And, um, you know, and it did become quite uh, intense, especially towards the end. Uh, uh, And, and of course, the final um, scene with Arthur uh, and Micah. Um, uh, And, you know, I think physically... It took a lot out of me. Uh, Emotionally, though, um, it was, in a way, a wonderful little escape into a messed up part of my own head. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, it's gone. It's done. So there you go. Thank you.
0: So that was the interview with Peter Bloomquist. Next up, we move out from under Red Dead Redemption and uh, onto another huge franchise, arguably one of the biggest in the world, Star Wars, where there was a stage panel with Ian McDermott, who, of course, you will probably all know, played Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars. I can't play out the whole panel because we're not allowed to do that. So I've got three separate clips from the panel with him talking. Talking about various things that he did on Star Wars. The first one is Ian talking about how he first landed the role.
1: You probably know this now, but I met George very briefly, one lunch time with Richard Marquand, and I didn't know they were looking for an emperor. I... You know, they thought they already had one but the actor whom they cast um, was much older than I then was, probably about the age I am now and he couldn't take the contact lenses so um, they couldn't go ahead and they suddenly needed an emperor and the casting director had seen me play an old person actually Howard Hughes in a play in a small theatre in London and so she said to George, this guy's in his late 30s but he can probably be convincing as an old man so george took her word for it and uh, over that lunchtime and we just chatted about the weather as far as i could remember he decided um, that i was good for the part and you know the rest but i never imagined it would go on for well a long saga and the last time of course they asked me to rejoin was the biggest surprise of all because i thought i was dead i think <laughs> you all thought i was dead but you shouldn't have really and nor should i because he's very clever this guy um obviously he had a backup plan he knew someone would might might try to destroy him so he had a whole system in place a kind of private hospital where various terrible things were injected into his body in order to keep him alive and you saw a bit of that in the movie actually there was a bit more of it in the script and we filmed a bit more but we didn't want to make it too gruesome and i had this wonderful machine which um, also kept him going Um, it moved around the studio it was operated by about five people I was well strapped in and I could fly and that would again, zoom all around the studio, come in close to the other actors or get right above them on the ceiling. Um, so that was exciting.
0: So that was Ian talking about how he landed the role. The next clip is him talking about, uh, well, I think every person that involved in Star Wars once is talking about how it felt getting a lightsaber.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, everybody gets thrilled to have their own lightsaber. I was slightly disappointed. I thought, palpatine with a lightsaber he doesn't need one it's all in his fingers but of course he wasn't you know he was palpatine there but he wasn't the emperor so he had to start somewhere and of course clearly he was a master swordsman too a master swordsman i ain't especially when faced with the brilliance of ewan and hayden as i told you about early on Uh, but of course i had to rehearse and do it up to a point and um i had a very brilliant stunt double who looked a bit like me too, so that was helpful. So he did most of the work, obviously. But, you know, I had to do all the stuff for the close-ups. And Sam was very patient, especially when I hit him a couple of times (laughs) inadvertently. He was very good, as you might imagine.
0: And the last clip we have with Ian is him talking about his favourite Palpatine scene.
1: The scene in the opera or ballet, I think it was, where I finally persuade, seduce Anakin to the dark side. He's almost trapped by the logic of what the Emperor says. It's also one of the longest dialogue scenes, I think, in the Star Wars movie. So it gives me, as an actor, an opportunity to develop that particular trope. I love acting with him anyway, so that was a, a sort of bonus. We did it on a very strange Friday afternoon in Australia, uh, and usually Friday afternoons in Australia, as everywhere else, you know, people well in Australia they can't wait to get to the beach, really, you know, for the weekend. It was also the first assistant director's birthday. And a little gold person was in the background with a trolley with champagne on it. And, you know, obviously that's going to come in at some point, And I could hear the glasses rattling. The producer, who was always on his mobile phone, that kept going off. And there was a cordoned off area, which is sort of called the video village, where people and their guests from outside would watch the scene being filmed. I'd also that afternoon done a lot of work where my voice changes into the emperor's voice. So I was a bit hoarse. And I said to George, well, it's four o'clock on Friday, you know, I'll do my best, but isn't this one that could wait till Monday? He said, no, well, we'll just do it, you know, and we can do it again on Monday if it doesn't work. And so my voice was a bit hoarse. If you ever want to replay that, you'll see that. And I said to George, I, were you worried about the said, No, yeah, no, it's great. It sounds as if he's in transition. Transition from, I suppose, the chancellor to the evil man. And we did it 20 times and we never rehearsed it. We'd never gone through the lines. There wasn't time. It was always busy. If he wasn't filming, he was realizing fights with you and so on. And it was a long scene, but we just did it. And despite the fact that the producer's mobile phone went off about four times and you never stop, it went relatively well. So we did 20 takes and all of them were fine. And at the end of the day, he said, well, we're coming back on Monday, but we finished the stuff on you and now we'll be on Hayden. So it was a strange and remarkable day. But as I said before, the real reason I like that scene is because what it does to the relationship between the later emperor and the later Darth Vader. It cements it. It provides him with no avenues to escape. So those are the
0: three clips that we have with Ian. There will be some other clips going up on YouTube as well. There will be different for this, so you can go and find those on YouTube. They're going up later this week, so go and check out youtube.com forward slash Geektown for those Now we'll move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have Tiger King returning for a second season. That's on the 17th of November. Um, I mean, the first season was a huge phenomenon. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with the second season of that. But that's on Netflix on the 17th of November. That's Tiger King season two over on star on disney plus we have marvel's hit monkey which is another animated series that's coming on the 17th of november as well which is uh about a high profile political assassination which goes wrong and the injured hitman hides out amongst a tribe of snow monkeys in the mountains in japan sounds wonderfully bonkers but uh, that's marvel's hit monkey that's coming to star on disney plus on the 17th of november we have riverdale returning also on the 17th of november that's on netflix for season six and we have work in progress the second season of that to returning to sky comedy on the 17th of november at 9 p.m if you want to go and see that over on sky max we have dan brown's the lost symbol which is of course based on the dan brown novels that he's coming to sky max on the 18th of november that's at 9 p.m over back on netflix on the 19th of november we have cowboy bebop which is the live action version of the worldwide phenomenon which is the animated series. So that's uh, Cowboy Bebop. That's coming on the 19th of November. That looks like it could be really interesting. Also over on Amazon Prime on the 19th of November, Wheel of Time, which is this epic fantasy series based on the Robert Jordan novel series. That looks good. I've seen a few clips from that. It looks like that's going to be a great show. So uh, go and check that out. That's Wheel of Time, season one coming to Amazon Prime on the 19th of November. Over on YouTube, randomly, uh, although it is airing a couple a couple of days later on E4 Games Master the revival of the cult classic TV gaming show that is back there have been a few videos and stuff of that floating around it does look really really good they've got Trevor McDonald doing the uh, Games Master role this time around replacing the wonderful Sir Patrick Moore that's coming to YouTube on the 21st of November and then I think it's coming on the 23rd or a couple of days later on E4 if you want to catch it on TV instead but um, that's Games Master the Revival that is back. Over on Stars Play on the 21st of November, we have Power Book 2 Ghost, season two of that lands over on there. That's on the 21st of November. And back on Netflix Masters of the Universe Revelation which is the Kevin Smith limited series that is returning for the part two of that that is on the 23rd of November and that's Masters of the Universe Revelation that lands on there. That's everything we've got for you this week. Uh, I'm not sure whether we're back for a normal show next week or whether it's going to be more interviews it depends how exhausted I am after I come back from Wales Comic Con next weekend. We'll see. It'll be either a noble show or another set of interviews. For other people, of course, throughout the week, you can go and look for Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista bites who is streaming daily and also various evenings, so lots of fun and games over there. For more podcasts, you can go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots of stuff over there, including the Walking Dead World Beyond podcast, which we're doing over there. And for Daryl, you can go and find him at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all the TV series you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, Throughout the week, you can go to geektown.co.uk to see the all the latest air dates and lots and lots more news. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you again next week. Bye bye.